up, Journey family? How are we feeling this weekend? Excited to be in church, and I'm so glad to be here with all of you. A big welcome to our Hocassin and Middletown family joining us this morning as well. Let's give it up, Hocassin Middletown. We love you so much and if we haven't had an opportunity to meet yet my name is Abby I am our next steps pastor here and so as part of my role I get to lead our J team our incredible family of journeyers who serve week in and week out and can you help me give it up for our J teamers this morning you guys are the real MVPs all right I always say J-Team best team, all right? And so if you are not yet part of our J-Team family, good news, it is Serve Weekend. So you will have an opportunity to be part of our J-Team, part of something bigger than yourself. We'll talk about that more at the end of our gathering today. But first up, we are in a series that we're calling The Stories That Make Us, which is based on a series of stories or parables, as the Bible calls them, that Jesus told and it's been a great series so far i keep saying this has been a series to really help fire up your faith this fall so if you've been feeling a little apathetic a little bit discouraged you missed any week of this series i want to encourage you go back to our youtube channel catch up on those messages uh, but since this is all about stories i thought i would start with a story this weekend about something i thought i would never do so how many of you have ever done something you thought you would never do you don't have to say what it is so it's safe place to raise your hand okay raise your hand i think we've all had those moments maybe for you it was something adventurous like skydiving or i don't know eating deep fried octopus maybe for you uh it was dating that guy that you thought was a total jerk and now you're married to him you know you never you never thought that you would do that Maybe it was something a little bit more subtle because you realize you have become the person that if you do not stretch before your adult volleyball league, you won't be able to walk the next day, you know? You turn 30, your body breaks down. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. You thought, I would never do that. And I've had quite a few of those I thought I'd never do that moments, uh, and including becoming the type of wife and mom who bakes homemade bread. Now... I know, some of you are thinking, is this a humble brag? Not really, okay? Go with me, with, go with me here. Um, I grew up eating store-bought bread, and I think, can we all just agree? I know our culture's tried to vilify bread, but bread is delicious. It is a gift from God. Yes, we all love carbs. I think Jesus made carbs. Um, and so my whole childhood was basically me eating four bites of dinner under duress and then like seven pieces of bread, slathered in butter. That's all that I wanted. My kids do this to me now, um, but when I got married, my mother-in-law told me that she had always made homemade bread for her boys growing up, and she bought me a bread maker, all right? She bought me a bread maker. Now, let's just say, without going into a ton of detail, let's just say I did not love what this gift entailed, okay? Um, I was young. I was talented. I was fostering a full-time career. I was not going to be wearing an apron making bread, okay? So... She just kind of kept, she kept telling me, hey, it's not that hard, it's not that hard. And you have to know about my mother-in-law, she truly is one of the kindest, most patient people, but she was gently insistent, hey, if you just give it a try, you can do it, it's delicious. And so, 
Eventually, I gave in, I tried it, and she was right. It's actually not that hard. If you have a bread maker, it's not that hard to make homemade bread, and it is delicious. So first couple of years of being married, I mean, I felt like Superwoman, okay? I was like making homemade bread. I am working full time. Is there anything that I cannot do, okay? And then I had one kid, and then I had two kids, and guess what? I'm still doing it. I'm working full time. I'm managing a household. I'm making homemade bread. Is there anything that I cannot do? Turns out that there is, okay? Because I now have children who, just like me, have zero interest in dinner. All they want to eat is bread. So now, seven years into having kids, I mean, I am making one loaf, two loaves, three loaves, four loaves, five loaves of bread a week, and I cannot keep up. I look at my bread maker with this like deep sense of disdain, you know? I'm like, who are you? And if you think, well, why don't you just start buying them bread for the store? Let me not make homemade bread, which is good. Don't start. It's a trap, okay? It's a trap. But you can probably relate to this feeling of not being able to keep up. Like there's just not enough of someone or something, there's just not enough of you. And no matter who we are or what we believe about God, I think we've all had moments where we have felt like we just didn't measure up in our finances, our relationships, our grades, our job, our family. We can feel like the world is moving so fast that we just don't have enough. We don't have enough patience. We don't have enough knowledge or gifts, or time, or talent, or wisdom, or strength, or for all my guys, bravado, to keep up with what the world requires of us. And that not enough feeling can leave us feeling empty, frustrated, full of self-doubt. So what does it do when it, it feels like we've been given a little, and we need a whole lot more to survive and to be satisfied? And we're going to look at that answer today in Matthew chapter 13, which is the same passage that we've been all throughout this series. And as we've talked about, Jesus would often speak in stories to crowds because I think he knew stories are compelling. They're powerful. No one cares if we recite a bunch of facts to them. But everybody gets drawn in to a powerful story. And what I love so much is that God in his graciousness, when we put our faith in Jesus, he rewrites a story inside of every single one of us. And so I think Jesus connected with people in story. And the story we're going to look at today is one that Jesus told about how a little can become more than enough. So this is verse 33. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes, even today, over a decade into following Jesus, I read the Bible, and at times, I'm like, I have no idea what this is talking about, all right? But when I read a passage like this, I'm like, finally, something I can do with this process of making bread. And he compares the yeast in bread, which all you have to know about yeast is that it is the leavening agent. So without yeast, you have flatbread, okay? That's what yeast makes the bread rise. And he compares it to growth in the kingdom of heaven. And so in this picture, three measures actually equates to about 60 pounds of flour or 50 loaves of bread, which that's a lot of bread, right? Keto people are freaking out, but I know it's a lot. It's a lot of bread, but it's only a little bit of 
yeast. Something you have to know about making bread is of all the ingredients I put in here, the yeast was the smallest amount. But without it, it would have never become bread. And so Jesus is, is showing us this picture that something small, something like yeast, started something much bigger than itself. And the truth is that great stories often start small. And so if you've been here for any length of time, you've probably heard us talk about our passion to reach Journey City, the 1.8 million people that live in a 30-mile radius of our broadcast location where I am standing right now. And we have this heart and passion to reach them with the life-giving message of Jesus, which is a big dream. It's a God-sized dream. But it didn't always start that way. In fact, when I started coming to the journey, uh, way back in 2010, just a couple of years after the journey started, it was not all of this. I like to tell people, there are more people right now in a single gathering at one location than there were in our whole church when I first started coming, all right? And uh, so it, it started small, but it grew bigger. And for me, I grew up going to a church that was very unlike this one, okay? It was very unlike this one. And I remember coming for the first time to the journey, and I pulled in, and people seemed happy, and that seemed weird. I was like, I've not... I don't know. You see, I don't know what's, what is about to go down. Um, and I remember pulling into the parking lot for the very first time, and I saw this guy in a red t-shirt and a fluorescent yellow vest, which, I mean, you got to be confident to rock a fluorescent yellow vest, and he was beaming. He was so excited to see us, and I later learned that his name was Ray, and actually, I saw him this morning. He's at our broadcast location this morning. He's been at the journey, I think, longer than Pastor Mark, um, but he was there that day. He was excited, and so I walked in, and I remember seeing people who were so joyful. They were so excited. They genuinely seemed to love God and love other people, and I didn't have words for it at the time, but I was experiencing the kingdom of heaven. I was experiencing God's rule and his reign, his power and his presence. And while so many things have changed in our church in the last 13 years, that hasn't. This is still a place where no matter who you are, no matter what you believe or don't believe yet, it's a place that you can experience God's presence and his power in a real way. And it's incredible. It's incredible. And so, but it did not start this way. I think that's so important. It didn't start big. It started small because the truth I want us to hear this weekend is that God can take something small and make it something significant. So this weekend, I want you to ask yourself, what is it in your life that feels small? What have you dismissed as insignificant or underwhelming or simply not enough to make a difference? What if your small can become something significant if you choose to trust God with it? And there's actually a pretty famous story uh, a little bit later in the Bible about Jesus taking a, a few loaves of bread and basically turning it into a massive amount of bread to feed a crowd. And so we're going to look at that story today in the Gospel of John. And John, just like Matthew, was one of Jesus' disciples or his followers. Um, and in John chapter 6, we see that large crowds of people have been following Jesus around. And I think it's because they didn't quite have words for it, but they were drawn into his presence. They could tell there was something different about this guy. There, there was something that they wanted to be a part of. And so this crowd had grown and grown and grown, and they were getting hungry, which we all know. You do not want a bunch of hungry people in a large crowd. It's a, it is about to go down. 
And so Jesus recognizes that. He decides he is going to take action. And so here's what he says. This is John chapter 6, verse 5. So turning to Philip, who was another one of his followers, his disciples, Jesus asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. So here we see that Jesus is looking at this large crowd, and he looks back at his small, his crew, his group of disciples, and he's like, all right, these people are hungry. You guys got to help me out. What are we going to do? And so Jesus asks them this question, even though he already knew the end result. He knew what he was going to do, but I believe that he had given Philip this opportunity to participate in the process. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to invite other people in. He is God in the flesh. He can do whatever he wants. But he gives Philip this opportunity to participate in the process because this is what God does. He offers us an opportunity to participate in the process, to say yes to being part of the bigger story that he is writing inside of us and the people around us. But we have to choose are we going to choose God's way or just keep clinging on to our way? And so this day, here is what Philip chose. Phil replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. All right? So I like to call him no faith Phil. Can we just agree? He's not like, you're around Jesus. He does not have a lot of faith. And so he's looking at this big crowd and he's just thinking, hey, it's just not enough. I mean, there's so many of them. There's so few of us. And I can feel for Philip here, all right? He's just being a realist. He's like, I see a big problem. I see a, a not very many resources. There's nothing that we can do. Jesus like, why would you even ask? There's nothing we can do. And he's not wrong. The problem is big. Their resources are small. Except that God is in their midst. And so thankfully, there's another disciple who sees more than Philip is willing to see in that moment. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, so both of them were also followers of Jesus, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So while Phil was looking around, seeing all of the things that they didn't have, Andrew showed up with a little bit of faith and saw what they did have. And so uh, Andrew is focused on what they do have because remember, God can take something small and make it something significant. So in that moment, when Phil said, there's no way, we can't do it, Andrew said, hey, 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 there's a little boy in the corner. He's got a lunchbox. He's got some bread. He's got some fish, which, good news, I didn't bring any fish today because I thought that would smell, all right? So we just got bread, but you can pretend there's some fish here, all right? He's like, there's some bread. There's some fish. And so by faith, he saw the start of something that Jesus could use to do something significant, but not until he offered it to Jesus. That was the first step. He had to be willing to see out of faith what Jesus saw. And so I love the very end of this passage because he's like, hey, there's this little boy. He steps out in faith. He's like, there's this little boy. He's got a lunchbox. He's got some food. Uh, and then he kind of doubles back. And he's like, but what good is that with this whole crowd? And I think that's because he makes this suggestion out of faith. And the other disciples look at him like, seriously? That, that's your suggestion. Not great at math, 
but you got like five loaves of bread and 5,000 people. Really, Andrew, right? Really? And listen, that's what happens sometimes. When we step out in faith, when we start to see what God sees, no one else around us sees it yet. They say it's crazy. They say it's never going to work. They say it's not enough, but they don't know who we know. And so that's what happens in that moment. Andrew steps out in faith. And so the other disciples are staring at him, and Jesus basically says, it's good enough for me. I'll take it. I'll take it. And so <laughs> verse 10, he says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So we're about to see there's going to be an incredible miracle. And I think it would have been much easier if Jesus just told everybody, hey, line up, all right? Be a lot faster. Get them all in a line. We're going to do this in an orderly fashion. But he didn't do that. He said, hey, with what these people are about to experience, I want them to experience it in community. I want them sitting down. This is not just something for them to receive. It's something for them to receive in the presence of other people. So he sits them down, and then Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks to God, and he distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So Jesus took a couple of loaves of bread, a couple of fish, and he made it enough to feed a crowd of thousands and thousands of people. And look, it wasn't just barely enough. It was more than enough. They had leftovers because, listen, the God that we serve is not a God of scarcity. He's a God of abundance. So that day he showed up with abundance. He showed up with more than they expected. But it started small because we have to remember that God can take something small and make it something significant. So what is that for you? What small thing? What interest, what talent, what gift has God given you that can become significant when you give it back to him? Because here's what happens. Sometimes God gives us things and we think they're ours. So we hold on to them. But it's not until we release them that God does something incredible in us and through us. And so I want to go back to that fall day in November of 2010. When I came to the journey for the first time, I didn't know it. I was 20 years old. I didn't know it. But I was searching for significance. Maybe some of you find yourself in that place today. You know, I was insecure. I was unsure of myself. I was trying to do all of the things, you know, rack up all the accolades and the praise and the job offers because I wanted to feel grounded. I wanted to feel secure. And I had this picture of what I thought that success looked like. And I was not going to let anyone or anything distract me from that picture, not even Jesus. And so when I first started coming to the journey and I was gathering consistently on the weekends for about a year, I was part of a J group. I'd even gotten baptized. But I remember there was a weekend and I signed up to serve, all right? I was like, I love this. I want to be a part of it. I signed up to serve. But when it came time, I didn't actually show up, all right? And I'm not talking like I didn't show up that weekend. Like I did not show up for many more months, uh, which is ironic, I know, because now I lead the J team. But I'm just saying, you know, start from the bottom. Now I'm here, you can too, okay? If you ignored the request, there's still hope for you yet. 
But I did. I, I said, hey, I think I want to do it. But when it came right down to it, I felt like I wasn't ready. I was too busy. I loved my own schedule and preferences and comfort. And I was saying, I love God. I love his church. I want to grow in my faith. But when I had to put that faith into action, I wasn't ready to do it. And so I found myself in that place. But a couple, um, a couple of months later, I just hit this point where I realized that my own search for significance wasn't really getting me anywhere, all right? My comfort, my preferences, my schedule wasn't getting me where I wanted to be. In fact, it was just leaving me feeling simultaneously overwhelmed and empty. Because as you know, that, that's what culture does to us. It leaves us feeling overwhelmed and empty at the same time. We can't even make sense of it. We feel like we've got nothing and we've got way too much at the same time. And so finally I decided, well, if my way is not working, maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jesus' actually would. And so in the same passage in John chapter 6, a little bit later, Jesus is talking to the crowds of people about how we find true significance and fulfillment. And it's not in who or what we think. This is what he shares after this conversation. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Because church, the truth is that only God can satisfy. Our perfect schedule is never going to satisfy. Our perfect comfort is never going to satisfy. All of our preferences are never going to satisfy. No, only God can satisfy us. And so in this search for peace, anytime we are trying to do anything apart from God, it only leaves us disappointed, hurt, hopeless. But when we find God as our source and our strength, we find peace. And I hope that's what you've experienced here at The Journey. Whatever location you attend, if you're part of our online JFAM, I hope you've experienced that peace. And I want you to know if you've experienced peace, joy, hope here, it's because someone else decided to serve so that you could show up today, so that you could have this experience today. Our staff, people who get a paycheck to work here, are less than 1% of the people that gather on the weekend. And you already know, I was a communication major. I'm not great at math, but I know like less than 1%, not a lot of percents, right? That's not very many people. So how do we do it? How do we have gatherings like this? How do we help people experience the presence of God through worship? How do we help our kids know God, love God, and live like he says? How do we help people find a parking spot at our broadcast location during the 1030 when there are legitimately no parking spots, all right? It happens through you. It happens through our J team. And the truth is we all have something small and God wants to do something significant in us, through us, around us. But it starts when we are willing to take our small and trust that it's going to become sufficient and then significant in the hands of God. Because he's a God of abundance, not of scarcity. And the truth is this, that God can take something small and make it something significant when we serve. That's how it happens. That's when it happens. And when I'm talking about serving, I'm not just talking about in the local church, but in every area 
of our lives. I mean, when we stop asking, how can the people around me serve me? And instead, we start asking, how can I serve my spouse today? How can I serve my parents? How can I serve my classmates or my coworkers or my neighbor or my other neighbor that I do not like very much, all right? Something starts to, somebody does not like their neighbor, but I, you know, I'm with you, okay? We're supposed to serve them too. That's how it works. That's how it works. And so this weekend, we have an opportunity as a church to start developing that habit and attitude of serving right here at the journey. I say this all the time. Serving on the J team is not the height of spiritual growth. Okay, listen to me very closely. The goal of this weekend is not that you start serving on the J team and become the best J teamer ever. You're here. You're full of joy. You're spreading love. And then you go home and you're a terrible person. Okay? Or you go out to work and you're a terrible person. Guys, that's not the goal. The goal is you start serving on the J team. You start realizing what it looks like to do life in community. You start giving more of yourself. And then that adds attitude goes into your workplace and into your home and into the soccer field and into your school and guess what that's how journey city is changed but this is where it starts and so we have lots of opportunities for you to serve during the week during the weekend behind the scenes right up front whether you've been following Jesus for decades or you're just about to start today I always love to say this is a place where you can serve and you can belong before you believe it all yet Get around some other people who love Jesus, but it starts small. And your yes to serving is the start of a new story that I believe God wants to write in you and in the people around you. So let's take a couple of minutes and talk about, well, how do we do it? How do we do it? So first of all, if you love middle schoolers, you want to act like a middle schooler, or you know all of the things that you did in middle school that you shouldn't have done. And now, you want to make an impact on the next generation. I've got good news for you. Journey students, your small serve can be significant on our Journey students team. If you are here and you kill it at karaoke nights, like you are so good, okay? You tear it up at Guitar Hero. Your small serve can be significant on our worship team, which can't we just give it up for our worship team every weekend, bringing us into God's presence and listen, if you can play the keys, I'm telling you right now, we have a super significant place for you on our worship team, all right? If you can look at a spreadsheet and make sense of numbers, I cannot, but some of you can. Your small serve can be significant on our admin team. Maybe for some of you, you love kids or your kids are grown up and you just want to love and hug on some babies and then give them back so you can go get a great night's sleep and their parents have to deal with them, great news, we got a place for you to serve, okay? Your small serve can be significant on our Journey Kids team. If you want to meet more people and help facilitate some connections or, or you are really into helping people in spiritual formation, you want to help share the love of God with them, help them study God's word, your small serve can be significant as a J group leader. If you have a CDL license or you just enjoy driving, all right, your small serve can be significant at our broadcast location shuttle team, okay? If you want to spend, or let's just be honest, if you already spend a lot of time on social media but you're just scrolling through it, but instead you want to start using social media to share the love of Jesus, your small serve can be significant on our communications team. So for some of my guys in here, if you are strong, Listen, you like to pick things up and put them down. 
we have a place for you on our facilities team, all right? Especially at Middletown and Hocassin, set up, tear down every single week. There is a place for you to serve. And last, if you like to smile or you just want to feel powerful, you want somebody to give you a parking one, and you want to tell people what to do and what not to do, we've got a place for you on our impressions team where your small serve can be significant because your small serve, your one hour a week, combined with her one hour a week and his one hour a week and their one hour a week, that can make maximum impact. That's how a city is changed. It's the start of a new story that God wants to write inside of you and inside of the people around you. These are serving. These are the stories that make us. And so on your way in today, at all our physical locations, you received a small golf pencil, all right? So now's a good time. Get that out. It's very sharp, by the way. Don't do that. Um, you receive this pencil, and at first glance, that's all that it is, right? It's just a pencil. But this pencil has the power to write an entire story, but not until you take it and you put it down on a piece of paper. It's small, but it's powerful, but not until you use it. The same thing is true with this bread, a little bit of yeast. It's the smallest amount of an ingredient that you put in, but without it, this is nothing. It's just flat bread because something small can make a significant impact, a significant difference. And this weekend, I want you to think about the gift that God has given you like this pencil, all right? He's given you something incredible, something that you may not even think is significant, but when you are willing to give it back to him, when you are willing to serve, it becomes something significant, but not until you do something with it. A pencil cannot write a story until someone puts it on a page. And a gift cannot change a life until you are willing to give it back to God. So will you do that this weekend? Because when I think back to that day 13 years ago, that I showed up to the journey, and Ray was in the parking lot. It's probably just a small amount of time. Ray didn't know. He had no idea that his smile and his enthusiasm was going to make a mark on me. I had no idea the impact that showing up to church that day was going to make on me. People will ask me, did you always know you wanted to be a pastor? And I was, I'm like, no, I did not. If there was a video from my freshman year at the University of Delaware, you would know that was not my life path, okay? I had a different life path. And so Ray showed up that day, and look, we found this, this photo in the Journey Archives. This is Ray. He looked just like this when I saw him walking in today, this smile. And he had no idea that when he showed up that day, God was about to do the start of something significant in my life. And the same thing is true. You have no idea. But when you show up early to set up church, when you show up to serve in kids or students or give somebody a smile or be part of production or pray for somebody, you have no idea that your something small can become something significant in the lives of the people around you. And let me tell you right now, every time we think we're going to show up to serve other people, God does something within us. We receive so much more than we've ever had to give because this is how he designed us. Jesus tells us he did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life away. And so because we are becoming more like Jesus, so do we. So my question for you this weekend is, are you going to reframe your pers perspective? Are you going to see something small and trust that God can do something 
significant. And if that's you this weekend, you need a fresh perspective on your faith. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray over all of us this weekend. Yeah, I need it too. So God, we come into your presence right now. And we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are a God of abundance. Lord, I pray right now for any of us that came in today who are watching right now, who feel discouraged, who don't just feel like we just don't have quite enough. God, we feel like we've got nothing. That relationship that we thought that we would always have is breaking down. We're looking at financial ruin and we feel so overwhelmed, God. But I pray that in this moment you would come in and wherever there is scarcity, wherever there is fear, you would replace it with peace and hope and joy. And God, I pray, give us the boldness and the perseverance to step out in faith and give anything that we have back to you, recognizing it was never ours to begin with. As we all stay here in this moment, focused on God together, maybe some of us came to church this weekend or watching online this weekend and we're interested in Jesus, but we don't, we wouldn't yet say we have a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you this weekend to take that step. One of the things I love so much is that God sent Jesus, the Savior of the world, as a small, unassuming, seven-pound, four-ounce baby. It's not what people expected. It started small. But it became something significant. And he sent Jesus so that we would never have to live separated from God. And if that's you today, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. I'd love to lead you in that prayer. Let's all close our eyes, open our hearts big to God together. And if that's you, you can use my words. You can use your own. But speak this out in faith. God, we come into your presence today. And right now, I repent of trying to do life on my own. I turn away from holding on to everything that I thought that I knew, my own version of success. I open my hands and I open my heart to you. I proclaim Jesus as leader and Lord of my life. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today I say yes to him. And as we all stay focused on God together, if that's you at any of our locations, and you made that decision, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. We believe that's the most important decision that you're ever going to make. If you're online, you can type faith in the chat. But Journey, would you help me celebrate people saying yes to Jesus today? <laughs>